0: the kids, the children's church.
1: It's three to 6 You're welcome, Well, good morning. I have some good news and I have some bad news. I'll start off with the good news. The good news is that we are going to have a guest speaker this morning. Uh, that is good news. The bad news is us having a guest speaker and there being a U-Haul parked right out there has nothing to do with me. Somebody, somebody said, I'm just going to be the ultimate killjoy, because I'm going to have to just let you know, put up the confetti and the streamers, I'm not going anywhere. But I'm so thankful, so thankful that we have Ross Cochran here. He actually called me a few days ago and very humbly, sheepishly said, hey, I'm going to be in town uh, and he was gonna speak earlier in the summer and and things uh, got uh, swapped around, and he wasn't able to come and he says i'll I'll make good on my offer." he goes He goes, "I'm not itching for people to hear me, but I just understand that sometimes it's nice to to be able to sit and listen. Uh, and so I am so, so thankful. Ross, honestly, um, you have to look up so I can I can tell you this. I'm studying. you, you are my hero. And I, I think the world of you, he is he's such a godly man. I, I love you so much. Um, and you come from really great stock. So I cannot say that you're my favorite of all the Cochran's because your sisters are here. Mm. Um, and so I just absolutely love all of them. But more than anything else, more than being a doctor and being just having a great heart and uh, author of my favorite book, <laughs> he loves the Lord. And so when he said, hey, you know, I'll speak, I said, please, everyone would be blessed if you do that. And most importantly, God is going to be glorified uh, through what he's, for what he says through Ross. So Ross, thank you for doing that. If you'll come up here, I do want to pray for you. I know you've been praying for this, but I'm excited about uh, what he's going to be talking about in John. And so I want to pray with you thank and then you, let God. you take over. Thank you. Father God, you're an awesome God, and and while I am so thankful for Ross, I just want to give you all the glory. This is not for us, but it is for you that, that we've come together and lifted you up as our Savior, our Creator, our King, and our Lord. Lord, may we learn uh, from you uh, this morning, and may we grow closer to you every day. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen.
0: Oh, thank you, Dad. That was amazing. He, he did that without notes. I, he did it just like I told him to say it, and... We're going to start in the Gospel of John this morning. If you'd like to turn to John, chapter 16, we'll be there, as Grandma used to say, directly. We'll be there directly. I like the way Jesus looks at the world uh, with realism. You know, some people think of themselves as optimists, other people say, well, I'm not an optimist, I'm a realist. Uh, their friends might say they're a pessimist, you know, and sometimes only half-heartedly say, if you're not depressed, you're not paying attention uh, about what's going on in the world. I um, thought I'd turn it on, did I not? Yeah. Go with this one. You want to go with this one, Sammy? This one How about that? No, no, no. 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 Uh, Je- Jesus looks at the world, he looks at you. He looks at me. He looks at what's going on around us and within us. And um, He knows. He knows the trouble we've seen. The old spiritual said, nobody knows the trouble I've seen. Right? Nobody knows but Jesus. And He sees it. He sees the pain in our world. He sees the pain in your life. He sees the challenges we face. Uh, He sees the hardships. He sees the illness. He sees the strife and the turmoil. He sees all of that. At the end of John 16, He says this in verse 33, In this world you will have trouble. In this world, you will have trouble. Scott Peck began his book, The Road Less Traveled, by saying this. He said, life is hard. And this is a great truth. And he said, the people who are willing to accept and embrace that great truth and prepare for the world to be hard, make it. And those people who deny, who who cannot accept, that life is going to be hard, don't fare as well. Jesus looks at the world and he sees our trouble. He sees the trouble in our relationships. There's estrangement in families. There's hurt. There's, there's, there's pain. There's rejection. There's hatred. Uh, there's loneliness. And uh, you may know that loneliness isn't cured by... Knowing people or being with people, it's cured by being known, which requires a lot of courage and transparency. Jesus sees the trouble in our churches. We are a movement historically based on unity, and yet we have so many that want to define that as uniformity, everybody being exactly alike. But the view I call sectarianism that says, unless you're Christian like I'm Christian, you're less Christian, really hurting us. It's really hurting us. There's trouble in our churches. There's trouble in our nation. It's been 58 years since Dr. King spelled out his vision, his dream for America, and I wonder what he'd think about the progress we're making. We've made some progress, got more to do. Lots of talk these days about vaccination and masks and who's responsible for the spread of the new variant and all that sort of stuff, and we got trouble in our nation. We have trouble in our minds. We're stressed We're worried about what's going to happen. We're worried about a situation in the life of our loved one that we can't do anything about. We've got trouble in our souls. We harbor resentment. Somebody hurt us and we can't or can't see to forgive them or won't forgive them. It's poison, isn't it? What's the saying? Refusing to forgive is like drinking rat poison hoping the rat will die. You know? There's trouble in our souls. There's lots of trouble. Jesus says, in this world, you will have trouble, and don't we know it? But then he says this, but take heart. I've overcome the world. I love that mix of reality and hope. Faith says God can. Hope says God will. And in this part of John's Gospel, Beginning in chapter 13 all the way through the end of chapter 16 is a section I like to call the preparation section Jesus is saying goodbye to his disciples and he begins this chapter by saying this Beginning in chapter 16 verse 1 He says all this I've told you so that you will not go astray They will put you out of the synagogue What does that mean? Well, let's say we're a Jewish village And let's say Burnell owns the hardware store, Right we're all, we're all fellow Jews, but then Burnell becomes a Christian, and we think that's a bad mistake. So to punish her, we quit shopping at the hardware store. Now Burnell's got 17 children, and so she's worried about this because you know, her kids begin to get hungry, and it starts to put pressure on her, and she begins to wonder if I can take my profession of faith in Christ if it's going to cost me so much. And what we've done when we quit speaking to her, when we quit shopping at the hardware store she owns, is we have kicked her out of the synagogue. The synagogue wasn't only a place, it was a group of people. And we've cut her off. And that's part of the kind of uh, punishment, persecution, that earliest Christians were facing that John, Doom John is writing. In fact, the time is coming when anyone who kills you will think they're offering a service to God. That becomes... The Apostle Paul becomes kind of a poster child for that later, doesn't he? Okay. So this is a section where, where Jesus spells it out. Look, you're going to have trouble. You're going to have trouble. But he leaves them with a number of resources. And I wanted to uh, remind us of these resources that we have. Uh, the first one begins in chapter 14. We're going to call this resource Home. If you're a homemaker, you're going to love John 14. Jesus begins this way. He said, do not let your hearts be troubled. Why would he say that, right? Unless their hearts are troubled. Don't let your hearts be troubled. You trust in God. Trust also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. I remember when Annie Mae Lewis, one of my teachers, was um, in Memphis, was near her end. A small woman, frail woman, but she said something to me uh, in the summer of 1981 that I can still quote. It was such an encouragement to me, and I told her this many times. I later worked for her, she was our librarian, and I worked in the library there while I was going to school some. But Annie Mae was near her end, and so I went to her hospital room, and I knocked on the door. The sign said, um, family only, so of course I thought that included me. <laughs> and and I knocked on the door and poked my head in and introduced myself to the woman sitting beside her bed. She said, come on in, so Annie Mae, was not responsive to any of our voices but you know how we think sometimes maybe people can still hear and so I I bent down and whispered in Annie May's ear I said Annie May, we're surprised you're all still you're we're all surprised you're still here really I mean she was been given a few days and here we are two or three weeks out and so I said I think what's happening is Jesus is preparing your room and he just wants to spend a little more time on it before he has you come. And then I said to her, I said, Annie Mae, as long as I have the ability to remember. I I say that instead of as long as I I live because, you know, my my fear is that when I get dementia, my kids won't notice. Notice anything different about dad? No, not really. And I said to Annie Mae, I said, as long as I have the ability to remember, I remember what you said to me that summer when I first started school. And I quoted it to her and it was, it was encouraging but one of the things we hang on to and we sing about so often in our hymns and our songs is this home that awaits us right so we have this home that's promised to us but that's not the only one if you go down to uh, look in verse uh, 18. look at this i shouldn't have brought a fine print bible up here i can tell you that uh, i will not leave you as orphans I will come to you before long. The world will not see me anymore, but you will see me and because I live. You also will live on that day. You'll realize that I am in my father and you are in me and I am in you. Whoever has my commands and obeys them. He's the one who loves me. And then it says this uh, in verse 23. If anyone loves me, he will obey my teaching. My father will love him and we will come to him and make our home with him so we have a home that's awaiting us later but God comes and says let's go camping now and and he comes and he makes his home in us and with us and between us and so this promise of divine presence this home uh, I think is is very is very encouraging i notice noticed that one of the things all people have in common all people have this in common is we lose loved ones We all do. I was in my Gospel of John class this spring and asked the students to talk about to each other someone they had lost. And two young men came up, wonderful young men. These are the best guys. And they come up afterward and said, you know what we discovered? We each had a grandfather that was president of Lubbock Christian. It wasn't the same man. Uh, They weren't related to each other, but that was kind of cool. But we long for reunion, don't we? with our loved ones and we have that promise but not just later it's now home now the second resource is as i would just called, health chapter 15 jesus uses this imagery he's the vine where the branches were to bear fruit and, and bearing fruit is a sign of growth and health right and if we have branches that aren't producing those get trimmed off so it helps the ones who are and, and that sort of thing so fruit bearing this image of growth and and health and vitality right what we may forgot is that back in John 13 when Jesus washes the disciples feet he says he washes, he gets up and washes their feet and when he sits down he said he asked this question he said do you understand what I've done for you and if I'm Bar- 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 Bartholomew or some one of the other disciples around the table there I'm going is this a trick question do you understand what I've done for you washed our feet <laughs> very good you know. he said now you know Now that you see this, you should do this for each other. That's verse 15. And then verse 17, he says this. You'll be blessed if you do this. It's one of the great truths of the way of Jesus, that when we give, we receive, when we serve, we are blessed, that sort of thing, right? And so this image of health, and and we know, we know from centuries of Christians and Christ followers trying trying to live this life, we know what makes for healthy spirituality. If you're serving, if you're loving, if you're growing, if you're praying, even in in small doses, uh, you're probably headed in a good direction. So there's health. You know, some people say that which makes us groan makes us grow. Do you know this place in in the book of James where it says, count it joy when you face trials, right? You're going, okay, how does that work? Because he says, well, trials produce perseverance and perseverance produces maturity well if you're a person that wants maturity then you know the function of trials in your life right Um, I'm sure you thought about this if you want to learn patience you're going to have to have to wait for something right that's the only way you learn patience Uh, if you want to learn forgiveness you're going to have to have somebody wrong you You don't need to know how to forgive until that happens. You remember when Jesus says in Matthew five, he says, If you only love people who love you, big whoop. You know, that's the Greek there, big whoop. You know? If you only love people who love you, what so what? Let me show you love. He said, try loving an enemy. Landon Saunders says, We all need a difficult person in our lives. Don't mention any names. We all need a difficult person in our lives in order to teach us how to love, right? So it's difficult. Injury from others, um, uh, people who are difficult to love, uh, having to wait. But it's those things that make us grown, make us grow. And so we understand the function of trials uh, in our our health. A third resource we're just going to call help. And we say when Jesus talks about the Holy Spirit, he mostly talks about it, what we have in the Gospel of John. He borrows a word from the legal profession that means someone who comes and stands beside you and helps you make your case before the judge, right? Um, I was a CASA volunteer for a while in Cersei, and still am associated with that organization. Court appointed special advocates and uh, it's it's an organization, a volunteer organization, nonprofit that comes alongside uh, the Department of Human Services when they take children out of a home for their protection And so the judge gives you um, authorization to uh, gather some information. As Nita used to say, you become another set of eyes and ears for the judge. So when that case comes back before the judge, he's got more information or she's got more information to to make a call on the well-being of these children, right? Well, I've been in that courtroom many times and here come the parents and the DHS attorneys over here. Uh, the parents' attorneys and the children's attorneys are sitting over here at tables, and so when that parent or parents walk up to the podium, they're joined by their lawyer. It's part of our legal system. When it's working well, you know we want people to have to know how to navigate the judicial system, right? So we even appoint lawyers for people if they can't afford them. That's that's what that's all about. But that idea of having somebody come and stand beside you, literally stand beside you and help you make your case is what is the word that john or jesus uses in the gospel of john to talk about the holy spirit does this sound familiar it's in first john 2 it says when we sin we have one who speaks to the father in our defense jesus christ remember that's first john 2 verse 1 when we sin we have one who speaks in our defense To the father that's this word the one who speaks in our defense and this is the uh, the the, uh, what jesus says about that 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 spirit look in chapter 14 verse 16. we'll begin in 15 if you love me you'll obey what i command and i will ask the father and he will give you another does your translation say counselor anybody says something besides counselor in chapter 14 verse 15 helper advocate anybody say comforter there this word occurs I don't know half a dozen times in chapter 14 and 16 it's variously translated advocate what you said advocate comforter counselor friend helper Uh, all those words are translations of this word that John uses to talk about the Holy Spirit so the the Holy Spirit is going uh, to help us Uh, look in verses 25 through 27 same chapter 14 All this I've spoken while still with you, but the Counselor, that's the word, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I've said to you. Peace I leave with you, leave with you my peace I give you. Uh, don't let your hearts be troubled and don't be afraid. But in the context is the Spirit is going to comfort us. The Spirit's going to walk with us. Um, look in chapter 16, verses 6 and 7. I'm going to him who sent me, this is verse five, yet none of you ask me, who are you going? Because I've said these things, you're filled with grief. But I tell you the truth, it's for your good that I'm going away. That's an interesting statement, All right? You'd think it'd be the best arrangement would be for Jesus to be right here with us. But he said, if I don't go, the counselor won't come. And you're gonna be better off in some ways of having the counselor, uh, maybe because he can be everywhere. Uh, I will not come to you, but the uh, I will unless I go away. The Counselor will not come to you, but if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world of guilt, in regard to sin and righteousness and judgment. And then in verse, um, um, if you look in verse twenty-five, no, sorry, uh, that's wrong. Uh, Twelve and thirteen. I have much more to say to you, but more than you can now bear. But when he, the Spirit of Truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own; he will speak only. Uh, what he um, what he uh, takes from the Father. Elsewhere he says, "The Spirit will be in you." You know, so the Spirit's living in us, helping us um, as we try to walk uh, this walk. And then the last resource that Jesus leaves us is that of hope. There's home. There's health growing. There's the help of the Spirit, and then there's there's hope. I have uh, a friend who is a youth minister who says that part of the job of the church is to hold on to people's hope until they hope about themselves, until they reach a point that they can pick it up and carry it for themselves. I like that. We're we're keepers, we're keepers of each other's hope, right? In this world, you will have trouble. But take heart, I've overcome the world. My friend Brent says, we're nothing if we're not people of hope. We're nothing if we're not people of hope. And Jesus looks at the world, he sees the problems, he looks at our lives, he knows our troubles. But he doesn't lose hope. And I like that about Jesus, that he sees both the realities, but he doesn't let the realities quench his hope well what's our next steps well if we're going to take advantage of these resources that jesus leaves us in the midst of our troubles and trials then we're going to have to do some interior work we're going to have to look inside and ask ourselves are we growing are we doing the kinds of things that christians have historically done in order to keep growing are we serving are we loving are we forgiving you know are we praying Even if it's a sentence prayer, that's a start. I I bet in a room this full, I bet we've got 20 or 30 people whose prayer lives are sort of paralyzed. And to you, I would say, look, start with a sentence. Sometimes we talk, urge each other to pray for 15 or 20 minutes. That can be a little daunting if your prayer life is paralyzed. So just start with a sentence. Dear God, um, give me courage for this interview. Dear God, open my eyes to opportunities to serve. Dear God, Uh, help me to to grow in this particular area of my life, combating some sin perhaps or something else. So we've got to do the interior work. We're inviting the Spirit of God to work on us, to keep us growing so that the Spirit's working even when we're not. We need to keep that invitation open. And then hold on to hope you know you don't need hope unless there's reason to despair and there's reason to despair and so we need to hold on to our hope and i participate in community i love the fact that there's a group leaving for camp today i'm a big advocate of camp uh, we once had a head counselor who walked out on the steps of his cabin one day said you know i'm my best self when i'm at camp and we all said yeah we are too except for that little boy in cabin eight but uh he was a he was a little bit different uh he was a little bit different situation but Uh, participating in community, you know, coming to know each other. You know, I I really believe that a lot of our problems could could see progress if we would just be more hospitable. Um, If you've got a leaf in your table standing in the closet there, why don't you put it in your table and have somebody come over? Jiffy makes a really easy cornbread thing. Uh, I know, and I've got several uh, three-ingredient crockpot recipes I'll share with you because I'm always looking for three-ingredient meals, right? (laughs) Got to be simple if I'm going to do it. How many of you know this serenity prayer? God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. You know, this prayer has been around since the 1950s. And it's used a lot with 12-step groups, right? Um, So I want you to uh, say it with me. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Now, repeat it after me. I'll say a line and you say a line, right? God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Did you know there's a second verse? I I didn't know this until about March of this year. Living one day at a time, enjoying one moment at a time, accepting hardship as the pathway to peace. Whoa, what does that mean? Accepting hardship as the pathway to peace. I asked someone about that, and they said, well, maybe it's because a hardship is what makes you do the work that leads you to the point that you realize, there's some things I can't do anything about. Why stress myself out of stuff I can't do anything about? But there are some things I can do something about, right? I was troubled, I was three, four, or five days ago, I was having a not so great day, and a friend of mine came and sat beside me, said, "What? What's, what's wrong? And I said, well, it's not one thing, it's 10 or 12 things. Well, what? And so I told her, and she said, well, can you do anything about that? Well, no, well. <laughs> and she said, what else? And I said, well, this. She said, well, can you do anything about that? I go, well, well, no. You know? And I think it's doing that work that gets us through hardship It's what also leads us to the place of peace. I'm guessing that's what Reinhold Niebuhr means. Living one day at a time, enjoying one moment at a time, accepting hardship as the pathway to peace, taking, as Jesus did, this sinful world as it is, not as I would have it. Trusting that he will make all things right if I surrender to his will that I may be reasonably happy in this life and supremely happy with him in the next. Isn't that cool? May the Lord bless us. I encourage you uh, to embrace these resources of of Jesus' promise of a home now and later, the resources of pointing us to good health, spiritual health, Uh, the resources of the Spirit, and the resources of hope. All of those can help us as we face the various trials that we face. Let's pray together. Lord God, uh, for your blessings we come asking. We, we want to do this life well. We want to do this life in a way that honors you, a way that expresses gratitude to you, in a way that blesses uh, other people, in a way that causes our own lives uh, to thrive. So, Father, we ask for these the courage to change the things we can through the courage to embrace these resources that you've offered us uh, to live in this uh, life uh, and among these trials and trouble through christ we pray these things amen let's stand and sing you are lord of creation and lord of my life lord of the land and
1: Lord of all